but the reality is like I conspire every day of my life to be a better human, right? Mm. So am I, am I conspiracy theorist when I like look at my own life and look at the history of it and like I made a plan to do that thing and then I did it, you know, it's like that's actually what conspiracy is, right? Yeah. It's kind of bizarre that we have this weird idea. Like as it goes with most things, most people don't even define the words they use. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. My name is Otto Gomes. I'm your host. Today, we have Colin Stuckert. Yes, Colin Stuckert is someone I met through my team, actually, and I'm super excited to connect with him. He is striving every day to be the best version of himself. He's an entrepreneur, podcaster, writer, and fiercely independent thinker focused on finding truth and challenging the broken status quo. Colin's mission is that one million of the human population become principal thinkers that challenge the current narrative, thinking for themselves to build the best humans. Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Stucker. Welcome to an episode of Manifesting Conscious Crypto. My name is Otto Gomes. I'm your host. And today I have my good friend here, Colin Stuckert, and he is the host of the Better Human Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really grateful and appreciative of you, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Um, you are making waves in this reality just uh, with every episode. I saw you're like at 200 and what was the episode number you're at? 200 Like something? 220. And I, well, I moved to a daily show probably a month ago and they add up very quickly when you're doing a daily show. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. When I first started my podcast, I was doing three, four shows a week and I quickly got to like 80 in a couple months. So yeah, exactly. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. So thank you again for, for joining me. And I, I, you know, I use these interviews to try to get to know the interviewee deeper and, and just connect on, I'm, I'm kind of right. trying to normalize the connection process, you know, and, and, and showcase like, Hey, this is what I do. Maybe you can do it too and get to know someone else that you never met before. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just tell me about your journey. Tell me about your, your path towards this point in your life. And what was specifically that red pill moment that really shocked you out of the matrix and into this path of healing and, you know, non-matrix reality? I, yeah, that's, so it's hard to pinpoint that because, you know, I've been doing entrepreneur thing, health, fitness, kind of do my own thing since dropping out of college, like, I don't know, 15 years ago now. And um, the actual red pill moment though, I think probably relates to nutrition. Okay. So I started asking like, why is the mainstream narrative around nutrition and this weird food pyramid thing, you know, why is that being promoted? And then most of America is unhealthy. And then, so I went deeper and then I realized that like what they're saying in the bodybuilding magazines and men's health and all stuff as a young dude that wants to be fit, right? Like it's not, this doesn't really make any sense. And I did that stuff. I did that for a long time and I could never get those abs out, right? And I wanted the abs. It's all I want. I wanted abs more than anything. And I was training like four hours a day in the gym and I couldn't get abs. So I'm like, something's going on here. And that led me into kind of like CrossFit and then the paleo diet. And then kind of an ancestral way of thinking about biology and food and nutrition. Mm. And then I looked at like what the mainstream was promoting. And I'm like, there's a major mismatch here, right? And that was just like the entry point to just questioning everything. So I would probably say that, like that was the first dose of the red pill. And then, I mean, since then, definitely in 2020, I went deeper into red 
pill mode, right? Like just questioning now everything because I never really pay attention to politics. I don't really care that much. I still don't really care because I don't think I can make much of a difference. But I was at least questioning like what's going on now that I have kids. It mattered to me if I'm living in America and now they're doing all this, these different laws and stuff. Like I kind of want to know what's going on, you know, because there is jurisdictional risk to my, my family. Right. So, um, but the origin was definitely nutrition. And then that got me into the medical establishment and then big pharma. And then literally how almost everything in the status quo, I mean, it's almost backwards. It's very bizarre. It's like the more people believe something, the more likely it is to actually be wrong. And even if it's all right, it's like only partially right. Mm. That's interesting. Um, it, 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 what you just said there, because it, if it's almost as, as if they're being locked, like there's a mind lock to perspective and like they, they're giving, uh, they're given a perspective to believe and to, and to normalize. And then they're shamed for getting out of that, that lockbox <laughs> or questioning it or questioning yeah, can't it. Can't question yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that they say you're questioning, you're, you're not trusting the science, but the reality is science is a process. It's not a destination, right? Like you go to the middle of a black hole, then all of a sudden physics doesn't work anymore. Right. We don't even understand half the things. And a lot of even Einstein's theory relatively, there's a lot of things that don't really match up with quantum mechanics. And then like, what it comes down to is human beings are so egotistical and we think we know so much. And most people think we live in a post-history world where things don't evolve and change. But the reality is in a hundred years, they're going to make fun of us. Like every history book ever, we look back at previous humans as like cavemen, right? But guess what? Previous humans always think they know everything because they're at the, like the apex of human understanding, right? But that's going to keep going on for a hundred years, 500, a thousand, and then hopefully forever. Hopefully we don't blow ourselves up first, but like until we're literally colonizing the universe. I mean, I, that, there's a whole, I have like, as soon as you're, when you were talking, I, I had five questions pop in my head. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I want to go down these rabbit holes, but hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go there. Um, okay. So, so, so you really didn't have like a, um, you know, I like to call it a dark night of the soul or a, um, you know, um, something destructive happened in your, in your health. You just became aware because you started pursuing health for yourself. Yeah. It was more of a growth focus, but I've had allergies my whole life and like my sleep, I struggle with sleep. And the more I got cleaning up my lifestyle, right. The more the things that I shouldn't be doing affected me. So I'm like one of those hyper responsive people where if I don't get sleep, like the next day is just ruined. It's kind of like being hung over for me. Mm -hmm. So it kind of forced me to always prioritize sleep. And now that I'm at this level where, you know, I eat mostly an essentially based diet. I don't eat out a lot. I don't eat seed oils, whatever. If I eat at a restaurant, you know, it's like, knocking me out most of the time, right? Not always, but, but a lot of the time. And for me, it's like, I kind of, I'm kind of glad because that keeps me in check. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it's just, it's an ongoing thing. And for whatever reason, long ago, early on, I always, so I've always had this intense passion with living a long time and I made the connection to health and taking, taking that very seriously. And I've just always been a little bit more of a, you know, a long-term thinker. So more of a low time preference, right? As they say in like the Bitcoin community and everything. And that's just always been just come naturally to me for whatever reason. That's also why as an entrepreneur, you know, something that's not really made for most people where you have to literally just like lose money every month and, and work for nothing for potentially years. And then finally, like there's like this reward, maybe, maybe there's not. It, it just certain people aren't designed to do that. It's very antithetical to human uh, nature, actually. Uh, so for whatever reason, I've been lucky. That's awesome. You know, and I, I, in my own uh, process of interviewing all these people, the, the, I feel like the, the formula that I found was that as soon as, as soon as it started to become uncomfortable in this reality, right? As soon as you started to, 
uh, certain things w- would be said that would start to tickle that part of you that was like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, that's mm-hmm. like the, 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 the beginning of the process of the red pill. The divergence. Get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. And it's either, yep. and it's interesting because this last year, you know, for most of, for a lot of people uh, in, that are leaders now in this, in this movement, it started years ago, but we've had this 2020 experience where it's, it's like a shock, like a, a, tons of people just overnight, overnight yep. started to become aware because the, 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 the erraticness, the difference, right. Of what their normal daily life was to what it became. Yep. Um, so it's either, you either got deeper into the fear. It's either like, oh man, I'm, I'm presented with this situation. What do I do? You either went deeper into the fear mm. or you completely snapped out of it. And you're like, nope, I'm out. I'm yep. out. It's a polarization. It's yep. a polarization of, of society, of humanity. Um, I've been actually thinking about this for a while. You know, if we look on a time scale that's 5,000 years, 10,000 years, I think anthropologists and historians in the future. Yeah. So I think in about a hundred years, 500 years, 10,000 years, you know, scientists will look back on the second part of the 20th century and say, this was a pivotal moment for humanity to split off. Mm. Right. My theory on that is you have technology, you have food everywhere. You have literally everything on demand, more power in your phone, in the pocket, the pocket, you know, in your pocket, in your phone, you have access to a supercomputer that humans could only dreamed of. Some people take that phone and it controls them. You know, they use it for, for fear porn. Uh, they use it for actual porn, things like that. Like, and doesn't really bring out the best expression of their genes. And then you have people that use it for pro- productivity apps, for reading, for learning, for studying, for knowledge, for growing, for connecting with people like you, for example, and doing things like this. And they make themselves better. They acquire more resources. They get healthier. They get fitter. They make more money, right? They literally do everything that modern humans want and it just comes down to what they're using in their current environment to do that versus their environment using them, which is kind of the default for most modern humans. Oh, I love it. I, and I, if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're basically saying, what's your intention? <laughs> because you can, do, you can do the same action as somebody else, but have an intention and it'd be productive and it'd be constructive. Mm-hmm. Where the other person is unaware that they're doing those actions. So they have zero intention and that's destructive. They become used. They become the product rather than the user, you know, the UZ rather than the user. Yeah. So, so that, that's a good little segue. So how, how do you see, you know, you started your podcast, you call it the better human podcast, better humans podcast. How, how do you see us becoming better with the environment that we're in, you know, with, with everything that's happening around us, with all this indoctrination, all of this, um, this fear, right. That's driving actions. How do you see us shifting away from that? So there's two ways to look at this. There's the optimistic view where, well, actually, even the optimistic view is uh, there's going to be a lot of suffering along the way because I believe that we should actually create as many humans as possible, right? We should have billions and billions of humans because that's how we're going to innovate out of all of our problems, right? Mm -hmm. Because the free market, entrepreneurship, capitalism, these are the things that result in everything being better, right? So if you think we have a overpopulation problem, then you want as many humans as possible to maybe go colonize Mars or live in space stations or whatever, through enough human ingenuity and collaboration, we can actually do all these things. This is not science fiction. This is just over a long enough time scale, what's actually going to happen as long as we don't nuke ourselves first, mm. right? So I'm very pro-humanity. I'm very pro um, letting people first, letting markets first, not having governments intervene, right? I'm very much an individualist, not a collectivist, um, for, obviously. And so I think government should be very small for this reason. And so I want humanity to use as much electricity as possible, right? Which most people think electricity is bad. No, more electricity is good because it's exactly correlated to human flourishing, right? Mm. I want to see that as possible. I want to give as many humans the ability to access 
uh, the global economy, like they call them the unbanked, which people can't even send or receive payments. And Bitcoin's great for this. Obviously, other crypto projects great for this. And that's going to result in solving our problems, not people trying to shame people into not using electricity or to be cleaner or to be greener or to like, you know, you know, tax the rich and dis- disperses to other people. Right. It's just another form of violence. Basically, I believe that we just need to give freedom to as many humans as possible and then let what we do do. I mean, look what we've done around us. Clean drinking water is actually like one of the most amazing modern inventions that like people like you and I just take for granted. We don't even consider, but people, if you look at like what charity water does, people have to walk miles a day and they get dirty water. And like, it's a huge deal. Right. And mm-hmm. we just take it for granted. We have fountains with clean water in it. Like it's like, it's, it's incredible. Right. So yeah, it's all going to be the result of free markets though. So the individual free markets and then let humanity do its thing. I guess the question I have is what's the time frame uh, with, with everything that happened last yep. year and is happening now, I, I can I can only imagine the pressure that most people are feeling. I'm I'm mm-hmm. super blessed that I have, you know, the ability to make money online. I, I'm, a, I'm a crypto guy, so I can do everything online. I don't need to be at work for anything or be yeah. underneath anybody's thumb. But there's the vast majority that is cr- feeling the pressures of this world right now extremely. Mm-hmm. So what would you what would you say is the time frame for this? Well, there's a very important book that everybody should probably read called The Fourth Turning. And it's about these cycles. They're usually like 21-year cycles. Uh, It basically postulates that we're probably going to be a 10-year cycle for this one. So like maybe in 2030, there'll be a major kind of reset. And what usually happens after the last fourth turning, uh, there's usually a war or some major conflict that kind of resets it. Because Because then people are like, okay, I don't want to go through that again. They like, it's, it's new and recent. And so they play nice. And then from that prosperity grows and then you get abundance and then you get like the downfall and then you get to conflict again. And it's like this thing. That being said, I think it's different this time because we have Bitcoin, crypto, like all these decentralized protocols. We also have the internet, right? So like that does, it removes a lot of the ability to propagandize and control that the elite and the governments have been using forever. And that as you see in 2020 and 2021, they're losing power and they know it, mm-hmm. right? And so- I'm very optimistic. I'm very actually optimistic, you know, and having kids, like if we didn't have, if I didn't discover Bitcoin, if we didn't have like this amazing thing like the internet and the ability to, you know, get information to humanity, I'd probably be living in a bunker somewhere. Like I would not be optimistic (laughs) about the future, you know? A hundred million percent me too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So that's why I take what I do very seriously because every one individual better human that I can hopefully help think for themselves and kind of challenge status quo and find decentralized ways of doing things and like get us closer to that better decentralized world. Like that's the future of humanity. That's the closest we're ever going to get to like utopia. Right. Yes. And so I take that very seriously. Yeah. I a hundred percent would agree with you when it comes to the decentralization of power yes. and you know, crypto Bitcoin gave us the opportunity to really disrupt the financial industry and really get out of that rat race. Um, and you know, there's a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of, there's benevolent projects, there's malevolent projects. And you know, I, I try to explain to people that blockchain is a tool. It's like a gun, mm-hmm. you know, the person that built the first gun, I don't know, I don't care because I know it's a tool that I can take apart and I, I know how it works and I can point and I can shoot it. Blockchain is the same thing. We just have to discern ourselves individually, which ones are the good ones and the bad mm-hmm. ones. But um, I just saw an interview with, um, I don't know if you know, Doc, um, Jason Shurka. He interviewed um, Foster Gamble and they talked about decentralization of electricity. 
And it was just a small clip of it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to disconnect ourselves from that their systems. And actually that, that kind of segues into a great question. How, how do you see this happening? You know, like, um, I guess if you have to imagine the progress of these next 10 years or 20 years, you said by 2030, do you see us basically trying still kind of fighting with the current system? You know, uh, somebody quoted, I quoted somebody the other day about um, not allowing ourselves to be submerged into the chaos. Mm -hmm. And I took that as like, oh, don't play their game. Don't, don't play their game. And so do you, do you see us moving forward and creating two separate side-by-side -side systems that are kind of trying to bridge that gap and then, you know, kind of like a hybrid and then eventually it, all falls into the crypto space or do you see us is it like a like a switch where we just when we're ready to go we'll just switch and we'll immediately go to the new new system yeah i don't think it's going to be a switch i think i think it's definitely going to be something that is going to probably happen very slowly then maybe very suddenly uh it's hard to say you know because like everyone has their theories on this so i was at a freedom rally pretty recently that my buddy put on we had uh, JP Sears there. We had Zuby. We had some other people, you know, outspoken people on like masks and all these different things. And it was fun, good energy. And they just each went and did a talk. And this one, this one dude, John Welburn, who's got a CrossFit gym, uh, he made a good point that I've since thought about. He's like, well, during 2020, my life didn't change at all. I'm out hunting. I fix cars. I work out at my gym. I got my business. And like, honestly, it's been great. And every single entrepreneurially minded person coach, fitness person, like remote co-working, whatever in Austin that I know all pretty much echo the same thing. It's like, okay, I couldn't go to this restaurant or like, or that was shut down a little bit or whatever. But most, most of what I've been doing is I've been hustling. I've been building, I've been creating, and I've been having a great time. And my health is better than ever. Cause I'm not eating at restaurants. And like, I'm focused, like for a lot of people that were already set up to be anti-fragile, they benefited, right? Those that weren't though, those that were already fragile, right? They became more fragile and more susceptible. And it makes sense that they're afraid and they want to like lock things down or whatever, because like, you know, they, they don't really have anything to benefit because they're not anti-fragile. Whereas mm. people like us, we actually embrace chaos because we get stronger from it. Like we find opportunity and our immune systems get stronger, et cetera. So I thought that was an interesting thing. And I think what we're going to see is more of that divergence where mm. you have the people that just kind of do their own thing. Like I already have opted out of banking. Like I'm, I'm probably down to having one bank account just because I need it as like an on and off ramp. Me right. Too. Like I, I yeah, to I, pay my rent. That's the only, yeah, exactly, and even right? then I'm like, my, my neighbor is my, my landlord. I'm like, yo, so, uh, this month can we, uh, can I just send you some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's going to happen more and more when it becomes more adoption increases, more people are willing to accept that they understand it. It's just, it's just going to happen more and more. And what's going to happen is institutions are going to hop on the bandwagon because they're going to see opportunity. They're also going to see an erosion of the primary product, um, revenue and sources and whatnot. But this is what happens through innovation always, mm. right? The printing press, the Luddites, you know, like they, they wanted to smash mills because they thought it was going to take their jobs and all this. And, and like in some, some throughout history, there are times when people kind of have to pivot, right? But that's always better. That's creative destruction. So they keep like, you know, we get into like things like UBI and stuff and whether it's even going to be necessary or not. I don't know. I think we're maybe way far off from that, like fully automated world, right? But I also think that people could just work less and enjoy life more because all mm. your basic necessities would be taken care of. So like, what do you even need the money for? Like everything's like provided for you. You actually need very little and you can maybe have a side hustle and you can live like a king. Like, so it's, it's a very complex thing. It's based on the future, what it may or may not look like. Uh, but I just always come down to, you know, the point that like they're losing power. They're going to continually lose power. 
and they can't put any of it back in the box, right? Like they can't fight something that moves at the speed of light. They can't, they can't fight something that you can literally like just hop on a VPN or like do this or do that. And then immediately you have privacy. Like they, it's an unwinnable battle. So they have to adopt it. They have to, right? And that's what always happens. And, that, and what happens is humanity gets better. Technology, uh, you know, we have a deflationary kind of relationship with technology where we get more things done for less value, whatever. And that's good. And that's, you know, counter to the inflationary nature of the dollar, which they're basically at odds, right? And that's another reason why they have, you know, the US dollar, for example, in fiat, it's just a Frankenstein that they can't control and is going to keep gobbling things up until it can't feed itself. And then it just dies. And then mm. like at that point, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be probably pretty bad as supply chains break down. And that we, we could be in for a very rough kind of transition period where, you know, maybe like certain crypto projects and Bitcoin or whatever kind of swoop in and, and like solve the day. I mean, at least we have that. If we didn't have that and we were headed towards this like fiat destructive cliff, like, like you wouldn't be able to get anything. I mean, people are talking about like supply chain breakdowns now because there's like a few boats in the ports. Dude, wait till you can't get like food. Wait till like it could get very bad. And mm -hmm. so that's why for me, like having kids and everything, I got gas, I got water. I'm actually loading up a shipping container in an undisclosed location in Austin and outside of Texas on 10 acres where I'm just loading it up with like everything I need, hopefully for at least a year. And, you know, like if it really hits the fan, we go there. Um, and so like everybody's got to prep to their own ability, but like, you know, you should have a little bit of prep done. So like, yeah, I, I hope it's, I hope it never happens. I hope I prep and it just sits there and rots. I hope I never have to use any of my resources, right? Because I don't want to go through that. Uh, but at least I have the insurance. Yes. It does. And, and you just hit the nail on the head. You know, I think <laughs> I have to say it this way, but it's survival of the fittest. And the survival of the fittest is going to be based on not only your, your um, level of awareness of what's going on around you and your surroundings, but your, your ability to take action. I think that's exactly. also a, a huge, a huge step that most people don't take because uh, you know, the brain comes in and starts to justify and go like, nah, it's never going to happen. Yep. There's no way. Recency and, bias. Yep. Status and then all, bias. all of yep. a sudden you start to, well, then you don't plan, you, you know, and it happens. It's, what is that? What is that saying? Something about a, like if you have, uh, I forgot what the saying is, but yeah, it's, it's, it's preparedness. It's, it's awareness. And, and, you know, I, I think that's uh very key to in, in being able to disconnect yourself from that system is like looking at yourself, looking at your skill set, and seeing, Oh, can I, can I not only, I mean, I, I, we all want to thrive, but can I survive without any of those systems? Can I do it myself without any of those systems? And honestly, I even think that that's going to be, other than crypto itself, that's going to be the true currency. Hey, what do you have to offer to this community? If you want to come in, if you want to be a part of this really disconnected, decentralized community from that system, because we're going to, we're going to have to rely on, our, on each other. We all have different skill sets, um, but that's going to be the, the currency. What do you have to offer? Nothing? Absolutely. Oh, go back yep. to your system. Yeah. So we have to like really be aware of that. Yeah. And that could get very scary. It could be walking dead faction like craziness. And I am again, optimistic that that's not going to happen, but I, but I, but I don't know, man. I mean, it's like, this is what I try to remind myself of. It's you can go to a place like Venezuela right now, right? Gangs, hyperinflation, coffee is like $4 one day. Then it's like eight and like, you know, it's just absolute insanity. And it's like, you can't thrive in that environment. You can barely survive in that environment. And that's like millions of people, mm -hmm. right? It's like, what if that was on a global scale? And I, you know, I just think that people have too much faith in the way things are and they don't realize how fragile all of it is. 
They don't realize how incompetent governments are until mm-hmm. something like Katrina happens. They don't realize how fragile um, supply chains are and how reliant on maybe pharmaceuticals from China we are, right? Until 2020 happens and like so on and so forth. And, you know, America has been a country that's been outsourcing its manufacturing for years, which is a problem. Like Elon Musk talks about that a lot. He, he wants to bring manufacturing back to the country, whatever. And like 2020 should show you exactly why that's the case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like, but what will happen is it will, a couple of years, you'll bring some manufacturing back and then the dollar incentive or the profit incentive will kick in and they'll send it right back over to China or where, wherever else or Indonesia or whatever. And, you know, the profit motive will result in short-term thinking, which will result in fragilities, which will, you know, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I grew up in Florida where we have hurricane season. And what you see is every single time uh, that a hurricane's coming or it might come, everybody rushes to the store, waits, waits in line, does all these things. It's just that kind of like last minute, high time preference type of personality, like mindset. And it's a status quo bias until there's an actual threat and then they, they scramble, right? Um, you don't want to be somebody who scrambles because when stuff's really bad, like, you know, when it's really bad, like you're not going to really have an opportunity to scramble. It's probably just going to overwhelm and and everybody, right, is going to be trying to scramble for the same things and there's going to be nothing. And then if you run out of electricity or if you can't find water and there's no fire department, there's no 911, there's no police, like it's very quickly, uh, you know, back to like zombie apocalypse, not back to, but you know, walking dead type shit. Well, right? according to the CDC, it's yeah, exactly uh, right. something we have to prepare for, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so. which that's a whole other conversation. I'm like, I think we're already there. We're just, mm-hmm. we're just, they just need to get more zombified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but man, that's interesting. You know, I've recently shifted um, in my preparedness to where I was buying a lot of things, a, a, like a bulk, bulk mm-hmm. of things to then, you know, oh, now I have a, a bulk set supply of this thing that worst case I can last for, for a year or whatever. I've shifted from that to now like, what can I buy that can create more of this thing? <laughs> you know, What's like, um, well, so like for electricity, uh, I, I bought a system, I bought a, a, a system that I don't need to put gas into it. It's an electric, mm-hmm. ba- uh, so I have two electric battery backups and then I have a solar panel solar. that, yep. yeah. So yep. that's that's a closed system right there. It, yep. I can get as much of the electricity as I want. I can even, I have, a, I have a Tesla, I can even charge my Tesla on it. It's really cool. Yep. Uh, so it eliminates gas. <laughs> Yep. Uh, but that's you know, just one example. So another example is I have the tower, a tower garden. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a, um, it's a, it's a hydroponic, uh, growth yep. growing tower. And I, I you can fit 26 plants in this thing and you can make it taller too. So you can put way more in there, cool. uh, but that in and of itself, you know, I, I, as long as I replenish it with the water and I have this, the seeds, which I have an abundance of seeds, boom, yep. seeds. ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've shifted away from this, like buying bulk to buying things that are going to be replenishing itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why I said that, but I wanted to just share that. <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit about what's going on in, in the, the in current events right now. Okay. With what's happening in the world, with what's happening yep. with the, you know, what, so what are your thoughts on this new, you know, what, and, and the, the plan, their plan of, um, you know, protecting profits and power. So it's, it's Divin, I've been diving into terrain versus germ theory the past mm. couple of days. Now, I haven't gotten deep enough to even be able to talk about it, but it's another example of how the common belief system of the masses, like in a lot of cases, is just fraud. 
Um, they haven't isolated. Most of the viruses that they've talked about have been like these crazy pandemics. Um, I mean, I've even seen like a lot of discrepancies in HIV and AIDS. Like, again, I haven't died. I can't really speak about these intelligently other than like some of these things have never been isolated. So something's amiss. <laughs> That's yeah. So it's like, so again, it's like question after question after question, inconsistency after inconsistency after inconsistency. How much does it take to get to a point where you're just like, well, there's two ways to think about this. Either I can trust the experts and I can trust that they know what they're talking about, even though there's there's politics, there's money, there's profit, there's all these other motives, right? There's also just straight up human nature and bias. I can either be right by saying I don't know, because you're always right when you say I don't know. I actually thought about this today when I was driving. I was like, that's interesting, right? But we have this desire, this human desire to want to know. We want certainty, right? Because that's what in our mind we think is more survival because we can know for certain that something is going to be a risk to us. So we always, we always seek certainty, even mm -hmm. though most of what goes on in our complex world with information everywhere is actually uncertainty. Like that's the default of it. And this is why you read like Taleb's book books about like fooled by randomness and things like that. Even though the dude itself, I don't like Taleb himself, but I like his books. <laughs> um, you, you know, like there's so much of this hubris and this ego wrapped up in things that we think we know and we don't. Mm. And so it's like just example after example, after example, nutrition research, the idea that salt is bad for you, the idea that meat is bad for you, cholesterol, like fat, like all these things, uh, you know, the virus theory versus train theory, all these are just example after example after example of people being wrong, either fully, partially, or straight fraud, which like Louis Pasteur and a lot of cock and a lot of these other guys were straight fraudsters after the fact, but their ideas had already taken hold and then big pharma supported them. And some people make connection to Rockefeller because they were selling pharmaceuticals and oil or used to make pharmaceuticals and all these different things. Like, and this is where you get into like all the conspiracy theory stuff. But, but the reality is like, I conspire every day of my life to be a better human. Right. Mm. So am I, am I conspiracy theorist when I like look at my own life and look at the history of it? And like, I made a plan to do that thing. And then I did it, you know, it's like, that's actually what conspiracy is. Right. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre that we have this weird idea. Like as it goes with most things, most people don't even define the words they use. Right. Mm. Most people don't even like, they don't think like Socrates, unfortunately. Right. Because Socrates spent a lot of time defining words. He wanted to ask you, what do you mean by that word? What's your actual definition? Because a lot of times your definition and mine are completely different. So how are we talking about the same thing at all? We're literally not. You know, and it's just like, again, people don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about their thoughts. They don't want to think about their thinking. They don't want yeah, to think yeah, about their bias. They, they don't want to think about like, maybe they want to believe something. It's called a crony belief, right? They get a benefit from believing this thing because somebody else believes it or their social group believes it or their family believes it, right? There's all these things that infect human psychology. And that this is why, again, for me, like when I studied evolutionary psychology and biology, mostly on accident, because I went to nutrition, then I like started understanding human nature. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Like that was just like, actually, that was probably the, the the red pill moment. It was like human beings are, we're like these evolved apes and we think we know so much and we don't, Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's when you accept that you don't know enough or in, in anything, that's when you yep. start to actually grow because <laughs> then you yeah, actually exactly. start to take in new information. Um, yeah. You just hit the nail on the head, man. I, I've, I've just had a interview with, um, with um, Santos Bonacci. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a, uh, a, a philosopher. He, he basically uh, made his life around um, the philosophy of syncretism, which hmm. is like, just like the, the connection of everything. But we, we talked Synchro about- Like synchronicity? Yeah, like synchronicity, yeah. Uh, you know, serendipitous, being serendipitous, yep. just like what the connection of everything. And he said that it all, it, it all the, the, where it all stems from is language 
is that this mm-hmm. is the is the the definite defining of language is how we use language the, you know the the delivery of language like all these layers to it and that is basically if, if you can take power of your language of your words and, mm. and use them not in the way that we you've been you have to like let go of everything you've learned to be able to do this because then you have to like create new language you have to create with intention and when you talk with intention it gives new new meaning to the words mm-hmm. and i mean there's a whole conversation around but yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head with that that's what it is and as soon as we can become aware of those words and how they're being used you know and that and that goes into like everything that's happening right now with what's legal or illegal you know the legalese in in the in the in the paperwork we hear mandates and we think oh that's a law and it's like is it or is it just a policy with yep. a different word <laughs> yep. yeah well do you know some things that were laws in america discriminated against people of different skin color so like, it was it was it was it was legal to own slaves at one time. So what's what's legal and what's and what's right aren't you know, necessarily the same thing. No, they never are because laws are created by men. Yeah. Men are infallible. Therefore, laws are infallible. It just is what it is. This is this is this is opening a good topic that we could probably explore. First principles thinking, which I'm huge on. Right. You have to get down to natural law. You have to get down to what are the principles that you can build on top of. Most people reason from analogy as Musk likes to talk about this, it's what is already around them. They accept this as a given truth. They don't ever go below the surface. They don't ever look behind the, you know, the, the Oz, the Wizard of Oz behind the thing, pulling the levers or whatever. They, they have no idea how the sausage is made. They just accept that the sausage is there and somebody says it's this or that or whatever. And then they literally use that as their foundation. It's kind of bizarre actually that more people just aren't actually interested in finding truth. There's not a lot of truth seekers amongst humanity. There mm. just aren't. And it seems like most of the revolutionaries iconoclasts, those that propel society forward are always ostracized and condemned during their time. And only later are they celebrated. Oh, that's interesting. Almost all of them. It's interesting because it's almost like, because they're because they are celebrated later. Yep. And it's interesting because it's like, oh, is that, is that in of itself a manipulation to to praise the ones that were actually revolutionaries, but and then embedded into a distorted ideology. You just you just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, but yeah, that's that's um, that's that's what's happening now, and I, I feel it. We uh, we feel it strongly, and I, that can be my next question. Have you have you felt any sort of um, pressure from censorship, from suppression, from anything like that in speaking your truth and speaking, you know, all you got to do nowadays is just speak a narrative, speak something that is a different perspective than the the normal narrative. So have you experienced any of that? Yeah. So I have a newsletter. I got about 18,000 subscribers on that. A lot of them came through my company, Wild Foods, uh, which, you know, is a natural health food and supplement brand that I've been doing for a long time. And I've kind of been the face of that brand. There's been some changes where I brought on a partner. And so I've taken a little bit less of an active role, but it's a real threat uh, to put my my face out there and my ideas and my thoughts while being connected to a company. You know, So it, it, it is something that early on, I was just like calling BS on things. I'm like, guys, like, what are you talking about? What are you so afraid of? Like, this is ridiculous. This is unconstitutional, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of slowly did it. And I probably self-censored at times early on, but I'm just at the point where I'm so far beyond that. And of course I have safety of numbers because more people are speaking out. Right. So I'm not pretending I'm any, you know, like, like I'm doing my best. Right. Um, And I think I lean more towards saying exactly what I believe, but it's for sure in your mind. 
you can't not operate in a modern environment and not consider how something might be perceived, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's something that I aspire to. I aspire to want to be able to say everything that I think. And I think I do mostly now because I've kind of weeded out a lot of the people that didn't get it because I got a lot of nasty emails along the way. Oh, yeah. Those, you, you, those people lost, kind of filter themselves out. Yeah. yeah. I lost thousands of, I probably lost yeah. like in the beginning, like 10,000 followers. I, I was yeah. at, and I was at 15,000. So I lost like all my followers. Well, good for you. But now, but now I made it up. Yeah. Once I started like really setting into my, what I really believed, yep. all of a sudden it started to align with all these yep. people that are following me now. Yeah. 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 And the, the sad, the sad reality of that is that you actually, don't want to lose the people that need to hear it the most. That's the problem with polarization and tribalization. It's like, they're going to go then go to the camp of people saying the things they want them to say. And that matches a worldview, but that actually creates more fragility in our, in our culture, in our society. And it wasn't, it wasn't until 2020 where I really saw the effects of the society around me affecting my life. I couldn't go certain places. I can't even fly because we're not putting masks on my children. Like mm-hmm. we're not dealing with that. So we haven't been able to fly. So 2020 was the first time I had to kind of actually look at politics and look at like current events. And I've always just not really been interested. And I think that's better to not be interested generally because, you know, it's just like mostly toxic, right? Yeah. But it forced me to at least make some plans to protect us against it. And as it goes with anything that you do that is based on uh, being as anti-fragile as possible, it made us better. It made the family better. It made us more aware. It I prepared and did things that I may not have done, you know, and I took action. Like I adapted, I adapted to my environment and we will be better off. And I've always thought that like, if there was a zombie apocalypse, like I'm, we will, I'm a survivor. Like it just is what it is. Like that's always been built into me for whatever reason early on. And so to compound on what you just said, I mean, uh, to quote Bruce Lee, be mm-hmm. water, we must be water. Yeah. And, and how, how the, uh, our ability to navigate our reality in real time is, is I believe is what's going to make the difference between us just surviving this and actually going into the thrive mode, because this, the, the way that this reality is built is not meant to help you thrive. It's meant to help you mm. barely survive. Right. That's, that's the, that's really the goal of this reality, in my opinion. Yep. Um, so, so what, um, you know, you, you're very, I, I you're very well-spoken. You have a very, uh, you're very conscious with your words. You speak, you are, I can, I can feel your energy. That's if you're very, uh, I would say grounded in a lot of Thank ways. You. What are some practices that you do on a daily basis that help you with this? Um, I feel like 2020 really presented a lot of opportunities to be triggered and to, you know, to test your own uh, reactions in, in certain situations. So what do you do for yourself? Yeah. Well, I believe health is a foundation to everything of everything. Right. So I, I make a conscious effort to get outside, take walks, you know, obviously having kids can ground you in ways It definitely, it definitely builds patience and resilience, which I think is for type A's is like a must have, you know? And so it, I've also been studying stoicism for years though, because as an entrepreneur, like, dude, it, it just, everything comes at you. It always comes at you. There's always a problem, right? And when you can really create kind of a philosophy of, okay, stoicism, what can I control? I'll focus on that extreme ownership. Everything's my fault for better or worse. Mm. Uh, and then a growth mindset that everything's an opportunity to grow. Like those three things right there, it's like it's like the template for winning in the 21st century. Right? Yes. Now your point about the Bruce Lee quote, who was actually a childhood idol of mine, you know, it was that it's that in an environment that's constantly changing, you have to embrace that and f- create an evolutionary strategy to respond to it, right? Because that's Darwin 101. Darwin is not the strongest will survive. He actually never said that. The, the strong or fit, strongest of the fittest or whatever it is. It was another guy that said that. Yeah, he, yeah. He he said that the 
organism that best adapts to its environment so that it can then procreate and raise offspring is a species that will survive and thrive, mm-hmm. right? So strong has nothing to do with it. It's adaptability. That is what the world we live in. We live in a world where in literally one month, I mean, an entire field or some, like some new breakthrough or, or some new uh, massive amount of research can go into this thing and it can change everything, you know? And at the same time, you can also have a lot of nonsense and fraud and things you have to sift through. So you have to literally always be on your toes and you have to always assimilate and process and try to constantly basically be a skeptic. That's, that's the other thing. So like growth mindset, first principles thinking, extreme ownership, and then being a skeptic of, of everything, because a lot of things like we've talked about are, are not actually proven. It's a lot of it's based on analogy and hype. And so profit, uh, political incentive, you know, like narrative, all these different things. The incentives that a lot of the, you know, people that are in positions of power or have big audiences, whatever, a lot of their incentives are not the same as our incentives. We want to live and we want the truth. And we want to kind of like, we want to delegate our thinking generally because we want it an easy fix to things. We want to kind of know this thing. We want certainty, like I mentioned. And the people that are feeding you certainty certainty aren't certain of anything, right? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's insane, actually. You know, I, I feel like it's not even, there's no human being making decisions. I, th- I think it's AI. I think they have an AI that's just like looking at every single scenario and then just, they just pick the one that has the best outcome. That's what it feels yeah. like, honestly. Well, and so, so I was listening to a podcast recently, uh, this guy falls Svetsky and it was about the great reset or whatever. And he made a good point. Like he doesn't believe it's any like shadowy elite that's doing everything. And I, I agree with him. I think it's more, one of the guys made the analogy of like a flock of birds, right? You have governments and leaders and billionaires and all these different things. And they kind of like, they go, they go in similar trajectories and there's obviously outcroppings where like in Australia, like they're acting crazy, but in New Zealand, they're open America because we have certain protections does a certain way. And then Europe does a certain way and France does a certain way, but they still kind of go, they still try to take advantage of the COVID hysteria mm-hmm. for money and power and control. We all mm-hmm. know this. We see mm-hmm. it everywhere, you know, and maybe like a few African countries were like, I'm not doing that. And surprisingly, a lot of those leaders were assassinated. I think four African leaders were assassinated mysteriously or died or whatever. So wow. it's like, Oh yes. Yes. Uh, the ones that spoke out. Yes. Yep, yep. 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 And if you realize from a first principles perspective that no human or group or nation or country has certainty on any of the things that they're talking about and pretending to have certainty on, then you at least have a baseline for like asking questions and really taking everything they say with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. right? Which is what everybody should do for anything I say, you say anybody, unless it's like one plus one equals two, like you should take most of what we say with a grain of salt and then do your own independent thinking, critical thought, and listen to your intuition and your gut. And, you know, you know, try to fight your base primal instinct that is, that seeks out fear and that seeks out tribalism and that seeks out wanting to blame somebody and make somebody an enemy because that's just built into all of us. I love it. You know, to compound on that, it, I, I feel like that's that's the key right now, right? I always, I keep saying awareness is key, but what mm-hmm. you said is, is a good, another perspective and a good way of, of explaining it, which is don't get stuck in what you're used to. <laughs> if you, you know, we, we've, um, my parents, I'll, I'll just share my own, uh, uh, you know, story, but my, my parents, my dad specifically, he grew up in a very, in Brazil and grew up in a very tight, uh, you can't spend money. You can't, you know, you got to save money. You got to, you got to prepare for the worst and it's great. And it it helped them at that time, but we don't live in that environment anymore. We live in a world full of resources, full of opportunities, full of connections. And we just need to be able to tap into the environment and, and, and utilize that. But yep. if you get stuck on that mindset, well, oh, we got to save, we can't, we can't spend because it's good. Something might happen. Then you're not, then you're just limiting yourself. 
Yep. And so actually real quick, that reminds me of, of science. So there is a concept in science known as, I think it's Planck's principle. It was mm. Max Planck, I believe his name was. And it was, it's roughly translated to scientific progress moves forward one, one scientific funeral at a time or one, um, scientists funeral at a time. What he observed was that most ideas that evolve and are accepted by the next generation only come about when the incumbent scientists have all died off because they're just not willing to accept these new ideas. Now, this is what people need to understand about science and scientists. They're humans, right? And actually today, science plus politics is like the worst thing ever. It should never, never have happened. And that's a whole other topic. But humans right? Especially when you hit like 30, 40, and 50, we're not very good at changing our minds, right? This is why like you always have these kind of class warfares, making fun of boomers and boomers making fun of millennials. And like, you know, like the boomers kind of adopt technology way later, you have crossing the chasm and all these different things like technological adoption, and everything, you know, but this is also why every uh, generation, especially the young generation, they're going to be so adept at change because they're growing up into an environment where like, every two years, there's like a new thing. And eventually we'll be like in VR or like the metaverse or whatever. It's like they were bred in an environment that changed so rapidly. But think mm. about your parents, my parents, things did not change rapidly. You know, like we had world stagnant, wars that last- Yeah, very stagnant for a lot, long periods yeah, of time. and slow change. And then like world wars that even lasted years. Like it's crazy to think like we had wars that lasted years, even though we had the Iraq war, but that didn't really affect most of us. Right. Right. That was just like something that they're talking about on, on TV that yeah, and then, movie. you know, they're, they're yeah. probably in the future, they're prob they probably want to say, oh, we had a 20-year Afghan war and it just ended in 2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Did it though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Planck's principle is basically science progresses one funeral at a time. Now, this is what I want people to understand about scientists, which also applies to medical science, medicine, doctors, et cetera. In our culture, at least in America, we have this idea, and this is through billions of dollars in marketing over the years, that doctors and scientists are these like, basically they're the new priests of the new religion that is scientism, right? And they are infallible. They know all, they have this like direct connection to like knowledge that we don't have. And it's kind of amazing because if you look at like, even just with vaccines, for example, you have people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that is very outspoken on this. And like some people will, will, will say something to him, like you aren't a doctor or a medical professional. And I believe it was him or the, one of the other guys, I forgot his name, like Big, Dale Bigsby or something. Oh, Big Tree. Big Tree, yeah, yeah. I believe he's out here in Austin actually. Mm -hmm. but. Somebody made that comment to him and he's like, I know that's the point. I can read. All I got to do is read the research. Like it's incredible. Right. But it almost takes somebody that's outside of the establishment, kind of similar to Planck's principle, where you have to take somebody that is young and upcoming and that wants to make their mark to open their mind to new ideas. That's how humanity evolves our thinking. But that's also how science evolves because guess what? Humanity is actually we actually restrict science. Humans restrict science because of their bias and dogma and then profit motive and status and all these other things, right? We have this idea that doctors and scientists are these purely objective, like you can't corrupt them and money doesn't matter to them and status doesn't matter to them. But you actually look back to Louis Pasteur, you look back to Ansel Keys, a lot of these scientists, they were power hungry, like literal assholes that just like would demolish other scientists if they questioned their theories. And then as time went on, we realized that they were full of shit. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, but their ideas had already, in, in a bad way, it's like a bad decentralization. Their ideas had spread, infected enough other people, then precedent was set 
government policy was uh, set. Nor- normal, uh, normalized. Exactly. The more, the more you normalize, it just becomes, like you said in the, in the beginning, where that becomes the new base that everybody gets born into and goes like, oh, this is the reality. This is what yep. it is. It's very then, hard to fix too. Yeah. Right. So I believe like Hitler or, or Goebbels said something along the lines of like, if we repeat it often enough, it becomes like air or like they know it. Like, so like, this is just propaganda 101, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty scary, but I want people to become a skeptic, become skeptical of everything and everyone, including themselves, especially themselves and the things that they think they know. And you can adopt a first principles approach to life that makes you more anti-fragile, makes you more able to adapt because you don't cling to things you want to believe. Mm. It is the hardest thing for humanity to do because nature, mother nature program into humans, the desire to fit into a group and the desire to think exactly like that group, because that was the evolutionary niche that benefited hunter gatherers when we lived 200,000 years ago. That is not the environment we live in today. Nope. And that's why we're mismatched. I love it. Uh, that also, you know, the difference between groupthink and community, mm. not think, not community think. Well, I guess you can say community think, but it's like, there's a difference there. There's like, are we just in an echo chamber or are we, di- you know, we're so diverse in and of a, in individually that coming together benefits each other. And yep. there's a, there's a difference there. And I think that's the oh. disconnect. Yep. Wow. This was amazing. Um, thank you so much, Colin. Uh, I just want to say, I appreciate the Bitcoin sign behind you there. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a, I'm not a Bitcoin person per se. I'm a crypto person, but, mm-hmm. um, Bitcoin is like the, you know, it's like a name brand for the industry. So I get, I get yep. the, the, you know, putting it up. Um, but thank you so much. Is there one last piece of advice that you want to leave for everyone? Um, moving forward you're like what what can they do first or what, what's the what's the awareness key level that is crucial to start that process of disconnecting from the rat race yeah this is a hard one to answer because it's like i'm trying to pinpoint the causality of how maybe i've arrived to my thinking but the reality is it's like a million variables right mm-hmm. and so i can only point to some of the big concepts and impactful things reading is massive. So reading is like the most condensed form of knowledge um, assimilation there is. Like, you know, somebody made this point recently. It's like a book goes through so much research and editing and just, it's like usually good information. Not all books are great, but like, it's at least better than an article or like a podcast or whatever. Like, so it's like pretty much as of right now, until we can actually plug into the matrix and, you know, get information that way, it's the closest thing to plugging into a matrix to consume information there is. So like reading's huge. I use Audible a lot, a lot of audiobooks. Um, you know, but you have to have a desire to want to do that too. I just I've just found a lot of people don't have the desire to do that. And you can you can build it. You got to find books you really enjoy, right? Find out find out the routine or whatever. But reading is massive. Uh, sleep is massive. Your nutrition is massive. You know, cook your meals at home as much as you can, not at a, stop eating out of a package. Uh, community is massive. It's actually something that I've been thinking about as an adult male in my thirties that worked a lot and that might have kind of deprioritized relationships. Now I'm trying to prioritize them Mm. and I'm finding that it's it's hard to do, uh, not for me, but for others, because everyone else is kind of caught up in the distraction mode, rat race, making money, like doing this. And it's hard to get people that even want to like spend the time. And Austin's a cool place for that. Like if I lived in New York, I'd be miserable. Right. So I would never Mm -hmm. live there, but it's like, at least Austin, people are kind of into that, but it's still hard. Like you want to find somebody that can like hang out on at 3 PM on like a weekday. Cause you want to like go outside for a bit and chat. And it's like, you know, I'm working or I'm this or I'm that or whatever. So 
it's definitely something that I see more a byproduct of obviously technology and the algorithms and our culture of like more is better and hustle culture, et cetera. I think people are becoming more narcissistic, more selfish, more just closed off. And they just need a reminder, like they need to mitigate that because if they mm -hmm. let technology and money and all these things like warp their brain, it will keep leading them down that path. And then eventually they'll wake up and they'll have plenty of money and they'll be miserable. I love that. You know, you, you, again, you make really good points and I just want to uh, bring more awareness to what you just said, which is um, being conscious of intention. Like, why are you doing yep. the things you're doing? If it's just for money, that might be a very limiting uh, goal. You know, that's yep. not going to give you a lot of happiness, but maybe are you, are you using that money as a tool to get you closer to the thing that brings joy and happiness and love in your life? hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, and, and is money a byproduct of a, a real difference you're making? Or do you have some job that you hate just because you think you have money and then you use money to buy things to fill that empty hole in your chest, but then it doesn't. So then you think more is going to do it. Like it's, I mean, it's really bizarre actually. Um, but in fact, real quick, before I let you go, I read this thing recently. So the creator of the game, Life, you know the game, Life? Yes, love that So game. the goal of that game was to just make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. Now they would update that game every couple of years. I think it was like in the early 90s or something where the creators of the game that were updating it were like, well, most people don't actually want just more money. So they had to actually change the goal of the game to add like these other meaningful things that people wanted. And so I don't even know what that was. Maybe it was like friendships or relationships or something, but it's kind of fascinating. And it's a weird trend because like that's been happening at the same time that technology and social media has actually making is making us more narcissistic, right? Um, and there's a really good thing that people should look into. Uh, John Fernakey has a a the meaning crisis. It's this lecture of like eight videos on YouTube. It's like mm -hmm. 30 hours of lectures that he talks about all this stuff. He talks about how why zombie movies are popular, why superhero movies are popular because like humans need meaning. Why like, I mean, he just gets into everything. It's really fascinating. Uh, and I think it's like the next major problem or maybe it's already the current problem for modern humans is like, we have all these things. We remove so much of the pain. And as a result, we try to, we try to create meaning through things that don't bring meaning. And then we're left with these existential crises. And we're like, he calls it a meaning crisis. Like, what the fuck is the point? Right? Like, and it's just like, everyone's on a different path there, but yeah. We need a better way, man. Like, like I don't even know my neighbors' names. <laughs> I don't even know my neighbors' names, and I there literally you go. see you know, that, like, that could be that could be the piece of advice. Hey, go to your next door neighbor right now at, at the end of this at the end of this uh, this interview. Go to your next door neighbor and find out their name. And there you go. That's how we can start connecting to each other and creating community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Love it. Thank you so much, Colin. You were amazing. Um, so yeah, much, man, great. so Thank much you. in depth. Yeah, I, I really appreciate your time, your energy, and definitely let's do this again, brother. Thank oh, you. Oh, dude, hundred percent. All right. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys next time. Such an amazing time and connection and moment with Colin. Uh, I'm super grateful to have connected with him. He is just doing amazing things with his podcast, The Better Human Podcast. If you want to check out more on Colin, make sure you check him out on Instagram. It's at Colin Stuckert, C-O-L-I-N-S-T-U-C-K-E-R-T. And check out his podcast on uh, Spotify, YouTube, Colin Stuckert, really great dude. And if you want to know more about crypto and dive deeper into the different layers that exist, uh, there's so many layers. 
I tried to lay it all out on my free course. It's 90 minutes long, really quick and easy to go through. Uh, if you want to dive deeper, then I have a seven and a half hour university that is online for you to access. So make sure you guys check it out. The website is at autogomes.live slash free dash training. But if you just go to autogomes.live, you can check out all my stuff on there. It, it, you won't miss a thing. Thank you for checking out this episode. I'm really grateful for all of you. And always remember to gamify your abundance. Love you guys.